Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 154 today with author and entrepreneur, change manager, inspirational speaker, life coach, and also digital transformation expert, Thomas Anderson. He's, he wears a lot of hats, my friends. Uh, he has a book called The Vulnerable Man, Break Your Patterns, Master Your Emotions, Reclaim Your Life. A lot of really powerful stuff here, as you might imagine by the title, uh, what we talked about. Some of it uh, filters a lot through what we do as men in particular, but I think this podcast is for everybody because men and women both, we talked about both aspects of this. We talked about the interplay between men and women and uh, different things about how we interact and things. So I, I think there's a lot of value here for everybody. Um, so enjoy the interview. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you, as always, you are absolutely priceless. And uh, I've always been saying that in the podcast. I, I really want you to look yourself in the mirror and recognize that. Let's not beat ourselves up. You know, people always say you're your own worst critic. We individually are our own worst critic. It doesn't need to be that way. Uh, in some ways, uh, we can look at ourselves and see where we're falling short and all those things uh, regularly. But at the same time, if you're going to see a full view of yourself, you need to also see the reality of all the good because there's tons and tons of good and great things, how far you've come from wherever you've been uh, in your life and see that and appreciate that and give yourself credit for that uh, as part of that whole process. Yes, we're going to see the weaknesses and we know ourselves more than anybody. And so that's the hard thing for us. But understand you are absolutely priceless. Seeing how far you've come just underscores the potential that's within us, which is one of a multitude of reasons that you and I both are absolutely priceless. We're above the monetary, material nonsense of this world. The riches are found in you. I also, along with that, want to remind you, you're never alone uh, in so many ways. But between friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and all the things in your lives, if, you, if you're coming up short, if you're feeling uh, lonely or like I say, alone, which is what lonely means, or, or many of the other things that accompany that kind of mindset, uh, reach out. I'm not going to make light of any of that. People go through all kinds of different things. And whatever it is, reach out. You can reach out to me, info at empowerhumans.com, at empower101 on Instagram and Twitter, and our new uh, Empower Humans uh, TikTok account. There's all kinds of ways you can get in touch with me. And uh, on top of that, I want to just remind you of our challenges. Study. Start studying. Keep studying. I've been uh, listening to and reading some very interesting stuff about the law of attraction recently and also some things about uh, working on ourselves from the inside out. There's a couple books. Uh, there's actually a lot of books that have the phrase inside out in their title, um, but there's a couple that uh, I've been reading in particular. And I know I talk about audiobooks, but I'm actually physically reading one of these books. Um, there's actually not an audiobook version, but it was worth it to me to actually let's pick up the actual book itself and read uh, for a change. <laughs> and so, uh, and that could be a therapeutic thing and teach us to focus our minds uh, again on actually reading if you're not doing that. But uh, again, study, stimulate, and center and get your mind in tune with that uh, centered place of where we need to be. And uh, the second challenge is make great moments. Uh, I've been spending time uh, having fun with my boys. Uh, you know, my son's skateboarding, so I've been helping him with that. He's getting better and better day by day. My other son, uh, you know, we lived in L.A. for a while. We didn't get to ride bikes a lot because we lived in kind of this big city environment, and uh, we just didn't get out and ride. So they didn't really learn to balance well on a bike until I moved to Las Vegas. And uh, and my youngest is nine. He's He's getting there now to where he can balance and do all those things, and I'm really, really proud of him. Uh, but we get to spend time and I take videos and these are just like the moments in life that, hey, I get to be here and watch this happen, watch this person develop that's my child in this case. But whatever that is in your world, uh, whether it's some art thing that you do or some hobby or some other thing that I'm not going to make light of. It's a very big, beautiful thing for you. Make that stuff matter and especially let's make people matter. That's what making great moments is all about. And I could go on and on and on. You know, I'm, I'm on a little tangent today, so I'm going to cut myself short. The last challenge, my friends, let's keep doing this podcast together. I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. I am really, really, really appreciative of that and flattered. For those who do, share the podcast. Uh, you know, your friends, family, neighbors also. When If you need help, go talk to them. But say, hey, by the way, I've been listening to this podcast. And leave a note on their car windshield and all those sorts of things. But without further ado, I want to jump into this interview 
Thomas Anderson shared all kinds of really, really great things. He's coming to us today from Sweden. Uh, so it was 9 a.m. here in Las Vegas, 6 p.m. over there. Uh, but we made it work. The beauties of modern technology. So here we go. Let's jump right in uh, with the one and only Thomas Anderson. Here we go. We are very, very pleased today to welcome Thomas Anderson, who is a Swedish entrepreneur coming to us today from Sweden, uh, change manager, inspirational speaker, life coach, author, and also does digital transformation for individuals and organizations. Thomas, how are you today? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. As we record this, it's 9 a.m. here in Las Vegas. and You're in Sweden. What time is it there? It's uh, 6 p.m. right now. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay. No, just nine hours difference. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> how are things in Sweden? Because I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we're going to talk about you and your book and everything else. But a lot of people, at least in America, we were talking about, well, Sweden isn't doing things with masks or things like that. <laughs> and then I don't know. How are things in Sweden and how did things go? Well, well, I guess how it went. Uh, yeah, it's, I guess everyone is overwhelmed with, with things what happened. But yeah, we had a different uh, setup in the beginning and uh, we could be more outside. And it was no sort of um, rules to have masks or things like that. So we had sort of the regulations of less people and sort of all these uh, washing your hands and all things like that. But uh, I'm really happy that we could sort of be outside a lot. So since I like hiking and going around, so... You can still go outside, go to the bars or, or cafes, but it's all this distance uh, set up. So, oh. but then in the fall, they changed. We had a sort of the second wave was a bit uh, harder, I think. So they did more um, rules and regulations in, in the fall. But still, is, I guess it's a big difference uh, than other countries. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think and interesting to see how this plays out in different parts of the world. I mean, we in the U.S., I, there's lots of things I could say about us and I, having lived outside the U S and South America and other things, I kind of learned a little bit about how some of the rest of the world sees things, but sometimes we live in our own little bubble in the U S and we just kind of take things for granted because we have so much here. Mm. And, uh, and then we, I hate to say it because I don't see it this way, but I think as a culture, sometimes we kind of either look down or just turn the other way at the rest of the world. And I, I hope, and I know that's not the case across the board, but in any event, um, I'm glad things are getting better in most places. And yeah. uh, certainly here in the U.S. it is, too. But um, so you grew up in Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, born in Sweden, grew up here, but, but also been traveling a lot. And I like would you say, like traveling. And I think that also opened open your minds a bit uh, to seeing different perspectives that you think maybe oh, in Sweden, we're doing everything right. And then you travel to different parts of the world. Yeah. I've been living in Canada and in Spain and been traveling to China. So I've been seeing different parts of the world. And I think that opened up uh, yeah, a different perspective. And I guess you're more humble to how people think and, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've met some people from Europe in general. Like I, I went back to Chile in South America and uh, I met a guy from Germany and he spoke like five languages, just one of the nicest people ever. And uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed because, again, most of us Americans don't go learn five languages. I don't know that you speak five languages, but you probably, you know, obviously you speak English and you say yes. you speak some Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I studied German, German and Spanish and Swedish and English. So, but I, I like English, I, I can manage, but the Spanish, maybe if I did some time uh, speaking it and, and sort of catching up, but my German is not that good. I just did it for like junior high for a couple of years and oh, yeah, that conscious. <laughs> well, I've heard German is very hard. I, uh, I, I know some people who've learned or at least tried to learn. And uh, it's, it's kind of like English in some ways where it's mm -hmm. the, the grammar rules and stuff, at least in English, are very inconsistent. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. I just, uh, in, I, I love people in Europe. I love, uh, your perspective. And I want to talk about your perspective today. You have this book called The Vulnerable Man, Break Your Patterns, Master Your Emotions, Reclaim Your Life, which already is a very powerful title. Um, I want to talk more about the book, but tell me some of your story of how you got here, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, about, about writing the book or sort of there. Yeah. Well, just, just getting to do what you do now, and then we'll talk more about the book too, but whatever you yeah. want to cover, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, run a loose conversation here. <laughs> Tell me some yeah, of your story, though. 
No, but I think uh, I, I sort of the idea of the book or not, maybe not the idea of the book came, but in, in, in 2015, about six years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was like management consultant. I worked a lot with the digital transformation and sort of different IT things. And uh, I had sort of everything I should have. Uh, I added on, the, added on the things I wanted to have in a way with having a house. I was married, had the kids, the dog, the cats. But still there was this sort of feeling inside that I was not, it was not enough or I was not, I was not good enough. And it sort of, I sort of got into this feeling of, um, yeah, you know, anxiety, depression, or sort of on the brink to burnout in a way. Um, wow. And that, yeah, that was really a really rough time uh, looking back at it. It's like, it's actually a bit hard to see sort of looking back and if you see it, yeah, it was really, it was really different. And I was, feeling very very different of course that also was a switch and now I <clears throat> sort of have met all of these uh, old uh, things and sort of went through my doing my inner work and, and healing myself but that was also a turning point at that time and I sort of felt that this is not the way life should be and I need to do some changes because I, I don't know the thing is like I've done things all my life like I, I did my studies some master of engineering I did my travel to exchange students to Canada and I had a good job. I like, I've been dancing, I'm playing in a band. Like I've been doing all these things. And it was so hard for me to actually feel bad at that time because that was not me. And who am I if I seek help? Who am I if I don't help? And it was like so many, so many thoughts within that, uh, like everything will fail if I ask for help, if I say no and all these things. And I felt like if I stop at work, I will lose everything. Or if I say to my wife that I am feeling bad and it's just, I'm not sure about things. I thought maybe she said, well, I don't like you. I will leave you. And it was so many different things within, but that also I needed to change something. And that also made me start doing changes and sort of taking care of my body. I did more exercise. I did changes with what I ate. And, and that also helped me to sort of getting my space, getting a space to recover and also I went to talk about being a highly sensitive person, like taking in a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And that sort of went me into therapy and did a change in, in my life. And okay. um, that was like a long, maybe a long journey, but I did that sort of recovery uh, for about a year and a half. Then the next challenge came. Uh, and maybe I'm giving away the book now, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, but it's, it's, I went through like divorce and all these big, big things as well. Mm-hmm. And during this process, like in the beginning, I felt so, I felt so alone uh, in my process. I thought like, I'm the only one thinking like this. And I've been feeling that actually for like, since when I was a teenager, I felt sort of this part of me is not right, or this is wrong. And this is something that you should not talk about. So I've been hidden, hiding that part in me. Yeah. But then it was in like 2017, when I sort of did my recovery, I went to walk the Camino uh, in Spain, the St. Jacob's Way. Wow. And that sort of, then I sort of had the idea of the book because it's like things happen. Like I've been more open sharing my story and I saw it help others. Yeah. And then during sort of the fall of, of uh, 2017, it was the Me Too, um, with all these talking about Me Too and these things. And I would, went to different um, group of men and we talked about the me too and we started sharing and talking about different things and mm-hmm. i saw the need of actually men then needing maybe help to to talk about these things that we normally don't talk about yeah and that sort of came the idea of i thought that well i've written a journal for a long time and i saw that maybe my words and my experience could help others and that sort of was the just a thought of i need to write this book and I never thought about being an author, but it was just felt, I just felt it's, it's important and it's need, like the world needs this story because since I was struggling so much, I just thought so many else are struggling because that was like during my process, I felt alone. But when I started talking about my experiences, everyone else started to open up as well. Yeah. And it was, yeah, then it's like, oh, we are all humans. And it's just that we haven't maybe practiced or learned how to, put words on our emotions or allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. And yeah, and that was sort of the starting signal for me. And then I wrote the book and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. You sure did write the book and I appreciate you 
well, no pun intended with the name of your book of being vulnerable and telling us some of your story, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not always easy to do that. And so I appreciate obviously the title, the vulnerable man, uh, tell me more about that title. And, you know, I've noticed sometimes men in particular tend to, uh, not be okay being vulnerable or telling how they're feeling or expressing emotion and showing emotion. And uh, I, for one, haven't always really been as much that way, but I think it's a tendency towards that happens with men, but talk Mm. to me about the title of the book and uh, how that came about. And some, you know, the whole thing about men and their tendencies, maybe if you don't mind, I know that's a big question. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, of course. (laughs) No, but it was, like since I think that's what I sort of realized that I, and especially going through sort of this me too thing. And, and uh, I, I saw within myself that this, that I felt wrong as a man. Like I, I thought I was too sensitive. I was not uh, doing uh, uh, the tough things. I didn't uh, do maybe the manly things. And I sort of felt wrong in, in not being brave, doing sort of learning to dive or uh, doing these rough things that the man should do. But maybe I did other things that sort of challenged me. I sort of, yeah, I played in a band and stood on stage and I did good in school. But those things were like, I was a bit ashamed of it also in a way, because that was not what you should do. And I saw that when I sort of did my journey then of of sort of opening up, I saw that it actually started early in, in the teenage years. And then when I sort of, it opened up for me to be sort of vulnerable and, and I saw it, it was just me not learning to sort of put words on my emotions and feelings and also see the difference that it could be it's not that you're i know when i talk to, to men about this and and, and uh, like you talk about the sensitive word of being vulnerable what or should i cry all the time or should i is it that just like being sensitive or oversensitive but it's not about that it's being able to talk to your friends when you're when you need to if you go yeah. through rough times with uh, relationships or work that you can talk to your male friends and then say, Hey, I'm going through a rough time. Can we just, can we talk about it? Can you help me? And, and I think that's also a difference, but it's so sort of delicate situation since what I saw with, within me. And I think I see with many is that we didn't, didn't learn from the teenage years to put words on what we felt because it was just like pushed down. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think that's sort of the key thing is like, since I'm a person that thinks a lot and take in a lot of information and, and what people, I sense what people think and, and feel and so on. And, you know, going through teenage years and not being able to sort of talk about what you feel and not practice to understand your reactions, your feeling, your thoughts is very limited, limiting for us not knowing that because it's nothing strange. We are humans. We react to the different things that happens. We want to be part of the group. We are scared about asking that girl for uh, for to the date, and and so it's nothing strange, but we just sort of push it back. It's very we don't learn to be humans in 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 a way. Mm. Yeah, that's that's uh, very interesting stuff because some of what you're saying, in other words, to me sounds like what we do, especially as men, is oftentimes suppress a, a part of us. Like this is a very mm. real part of us, but we're going to suppress and kind of pretend it's not there. And then what happens? It's not healthy. I mean, you experienced your outcome and you went through a burnout of sorts and uh, you hit a a rock bottom or hit a wall Mm -hmm. kind of place that uh, you had to, you had to go through this, this change. When we talk about inner work, I know this was uh, a term used early on in your story. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that entail to do that inner work? Because you talk about, you know, tools that, that we can use to, uh, you know, reconnect to that inner peace, mm-hmm. reconnect mm-hmm. to ourselves. Anyway, talk to me about that inner work, if mm-hmm. you will. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, it's a very good question. And uh, I think that was like the, the start for me since I, I sort of felt, felt ashamed of what I thought and what I felt. And when I went to sort of the first uh, therapy session, it was, it was like for three hours. It was a friend of me who had had this session with me. And I was like ashamed of just like mentioning that I was unsure about the relationship. I was afraid to talk about the things I felt. Yeah. And she said, well, it's feelings and it's thoughts. It can't be wrong. It's what you feel right now. Mm-hmm. And then just allowing it to sort of like being vulnerable and actually allowing you to say, this is how I feel. 
and just like putting it out there it also helps you to to heal because then it's like you say something and then actually it becomes it becomes real like it's it's a feeling and then it it maybe something else happens and you sort of continue to go into that and it could be like it could be that maybe you got hurt and and i remember like the first time in this session i sort of started crying and i i also said i'm sorry i'm i'm sorry that i'm crying and she's not no just let it out because it's been yeah. like things have been pushed down for a long time Mm. And that's sort of maybe the mix of being vulnerable. It's allowing yourself to talk about these things that are a bit sensitive or uncomfortable, but it's also letting them out. It's also a way of healing because then it's not something just inside you. It sort of you, you put it out there, and you sort of put a perspective on it, and you sort of maybe continue with that thought. And why did it happen? Or maybe you went sort of against yourself. You didn't set your boundaries, and. Yeah. All these things that we experience, it, it's it's normal that we experience different things. But if you just hold it in, it's just going to stay in, and it's going to be then you're going to burst out uh, in different uh, ways. Yeah, yeah, great point. I I couldn't agree more. I I have a good friend who was an EMT here in the United States. That's basically a paramedic. That mm-hmm. when you know emergencies and things, you delivered a baby in a parking lot one time, all kinds of crazy stuff, and people getting killed in car accidents, you know, awful things that most of us don't like to focus on. Mm-hmm. But over the years, and I've known this person since I was very young, like kindergarten, <laughs> and yeah. and we're still friends to this day. I'm 40 years old. And and so he told me we had a vulnerable kind of one-on-one conversation that at a certain point after probably nine years or so of doing this work and dealing with a lot of very traumatic experiences. And by the way, knowing was from the time we were kids that he was always kind of a very, for lack of a better term, kind of a hard ass person. He was always just mm-hmm. like showing that he, you know, was was strong and all these things. But all of a sudden he the planets aligned, let's say, where he lost a couple of friends for various reasons, an accident, some other things. And all this stuff hit him all at once of all this emotion that he had suppressed. And so he told me that he was crying literally every day for like a month at a certain point. And by the way, I'd never known him to cry probably in my experience with him. He never, even to this day, I don't think has really cried or even around me, but he told me that this happened. Um, so obviously there's, there's something to that, that, that something, like you said, you get to a place where it can burst or explode or if you keep things in, how do we go about doing this in a healthy way? And, and first of all, give ourselves permission to do this. And, and, and again, on top of that, I know this isn't just men. I know there's women and, yeah. and others as well, but how do we give ourselves permission and do this in a healthy way to, to live a healthier life? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, first of all, maybe to see that it is, it can be scary. To, of course, it's scary to be vulnerable. And, and it's also so some kind of protection because I can see that for me, it happened that something happens. I was sensitive. I said something maybe in my teenage years. And I was sort of, okay, this is not the way I should do it. This is the way I should do it. And you sort of, you sort of learn how to adapt. And because we're humans and we should be part of a society. So we sort of learn what to do and think. Yeah. And then in, in, in a way, when we lower our wall, uh, lowering our wall, <laughs> it's, it's, you don't want to go there. So it's like you have a, a sort of a hurdle that it's not, don't go there. And it can be sort of very hard to be vulnerable because it's, people can hurt you yeah. because maybe that's something you experienced before. So first is to talk about when it, you, you sort of, if you want to talk about it, talk to someone that you know, and, and, or a therapist or, and, and be prepared that it, it's something that you need to go into. And if you talk with a friend and say like, okay, let's talk about this and it's going to be rough and maybe it's going to happen different things, but let's create a safe space because I think this is important for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I know Brené Brown describes it very, very good with being vulnerable is that you put out a draft because when you talk about emotions and these things within, it's not, it's not going to come out perfectly right away because you need to sort of put a draft there and, oh, no, this is not really what I meant, and, but this is what I feel and this is what I feel. So it's like a learning process and also allowing yourself to being there, being vulnerable, not, re- not really knowing. So I think that's uh, like the first thing to sort of talk about how you should talk. I have a good example, actually, of, of a, a friend of mine, and we talked about this, and he said he had this uh, guy friends and they, 
like had this uh, yearly thing. They met the old um, friends from university. And he saw on um, sort of his dad and his uh, mother that like it was the mother that had all the friends uh, because his dad like lost all his friends. And he saw that maybe it's because they just talked about history. Like he saw they lost his friends. Mm-hmm. And he saw that he was like also around the age of like 40. And he saw that if we're going to continue to meet with these group of people, we just talk about memories from like university times. And it's like, well, you laugh about it, but it's, you don't really know what's happening in the life right now. So he said, no, let's change this. So he sort of brought it up with his friends and say, I want us to be friends for a longer time. And I think it's more important that we talk about things that happens right now, how we are in relationships, how are things at work and how we're feeling, because then we can become not just remembering the good old days, of course, you can talk about the good old days, but also talking about how we feel right now, because then we can be for each other for a longer time. Yeah. So he brought, brought it up and say, I think this is important. And also we need to practice. It's going to be new. What do you think? So they talked about talking about it. Yeah. But he said also that was sort of such a big switch for them. And, and it really helped them. And the team actually got much closer. So it's, it's also a mix that, you have your friends there, you know, you can call them if they're rough time times, but also you can have the laugh and doing going after the different sports events or whatever you want to do. So I think yeah. it's also, and also allowing yourself to be uh, that it is learning to ride a bike. Uh, maybe it's just a joke, but I, so I sometimes say that uh, we have the same amount of emotions as women, but we have the sort of skills of a five-year-old to talk about it. <laughs> and it's um, also maybe to, 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 to allow, because that was sort of my thing in the beginning, beginning as well. It was so hard to put words on what I felt because like, it just blocked me. It's like, if I say something like that, it's gonna, I'm going to lose everything. I was really, really scared because that was sort of my unmet memories or sort of my subconscious. Like, don't say this, you will, something will happen. And that also you learn on the way that it's, it's not hard. But it's also the same thing when you ride the bike the first time, when you start diving or whatever you do, it's scary in the beginning. But then you sort of realize it's not dangerous to talk about your emotions. It's not, it's not for real or it's for real, but it's, it's, it's not that um, life-threatening as you think. Yeah. And then it's also sort of practicing there as well. It's like mental practice, like we do exercise with our body. Uh, especially today, today when there's so many things happening all the time and, and it's, it's reaction, human interactions and reactions to things uh, that goes on, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. There's a ton of value there. It sounds like the real, real key of it all is to make a decision and, and to give yourself permission. Like you said, allow yourself to be in that place yeah. and, and maybe it's hard for some or harder, more for some than for others, but yeah. Um, if you, if you're really not comfortable doing that, then it's, to me, it feels like, well, let's take a step back and try to figure out what is it about this that I'm not comfortable with? What is the perceived threat or danger? And then you start to realize it's, it's stupid stuff. What I've seen with men, usually it's stupid things like people are going to think I'm gay or some thing like, like, you know, expressing emotion. And, and by the way, and I, I have, you know, my dad tells a story where his father, my grandfather, who's, you know, God rest his soul. He died in 2003 and loved the heck out of him. But, uh, you know, he grew up on a farm, the youngest of 12 mm-hmm. kids in Nebraska here in the United States. And, and he, when my dad was growing up, my dad tells a story that he never said, I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no offense, grandpa, if you're listening from the other side, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so and so what happens and sorry dad also i want to tell the story but my dad gets very emotional telling the story because mm-hmm. years later my grandfather was ill and was in the hospital and he was on the phone with my dad and um my dad said i love you dad you know this is his dad and he said you know i love you son and just telling that story was this amazing release for my dad mm-hmm. after decades of his dad not saying I love you. And then I grew up all boys. I have two boys myself now that mm. as we as we speak are 11 and 9 and 
I, I've, I haven't struggled so much with these things. Thankfully, you know, I, if I say I love you once, I'll say it a thousand times in a day. And we're just used to saying it to each other. And I give them hugs and kisses. And I'm not ashamed to say that. And that's not, by the way, to toot my horn as a man, because I've got a long way to go in a lot of areas to become way better as a person. But I think it's important to give ourselves permission to do this. I've never had a problem doing it, but I know lots of men uh, do. Hmm. Do, is there anything to say about defining the danger that some people perceive about b- before giving ourselves permission to be in this place? Or what are your thoughts? I know I told some stories and things. What are your thoughts, <laughs> Thomas? No, I, I just, uh, I don't know if it, it's the answer or sort of what you, what you thought, but I think we, we should be also sort of aware that we have that, we have the history within men that yeah. maybe it's been a different world as well. My, my grandfather was a farmer and my other grandfather worked in the mines. So it's like we had a different culture and maybe it was showing love at that time. Maybe it was also making sure that you worked hard and you put food on the table because it was like a different time. So it's, it's maybe that you didn't have time. It was, you showed it in a different way. You still wanted to be there for your family maybe, or be there. And, and but you just didn't have that much time maybe to talk about it the same way. But I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that is sort of maybe scary in, in the sort of the teenage years that we, it's like it's pushed out in a way uh, because we, I don't know if I'm going out in a different direction right now <laughs> of the it's question, okay. Go ahead. but uh, I think we just need to sort of be aware that we haven't really learned. And it's like, it's, we need to sort of break that patterns and, and there's nothing wrong about the patterns. It's just there, but we need to be aware that maybe we have something that maybe worked in the past. It was need, not needed. Maybe it was, you needed to sort of stay strong or hold it in because otherwise maybe you will not, be part of that group working, actually providing food on your plate. Because that may be what you were scared about. This was if you say something or you're not sort of pulling, making, um, making the pressure in a way, you would be pushed out and maybe not have a job. Mm-hmm. So maybe a health thing is to sort of stay at the job. But today the times are different. It's not the same atmosphere, but we have the st- still the same kind of behavior. Yeah, so I think that we just need to be aware. Okay, maybe we haven't learned it, and if we have a different culture, let's talk about this culture. Let's make a sort of a movement about it, but talk about that we need to do some changes. And and we have our history; it's okay, but let's do something about it. Yeah. And it's not that we need to sort of take away take away this sort of masculinity. It's just we need to embrace more things, because especially in this world when we have so much information and, and mental illness is growing and it's exceeding and we don't have the tools to handle it. Uh, we need to sort of maybe reevaluate the things that we're doing right now, especially making it uh, in the future. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's a very good point to look at historically, mm. if we're going to like be real with ourselves as humanity, men have been the ones who go out and hunt and bring food or farm also, but also go to war and all these things that are very, uh, in a lot of cases, dangerous. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've read books about some of this with, that say that, you know, we're men use in our DNA as being hunters and things, even though a lot of us these days don't do that, mm. <laughs> but um, we have to be quiet. And so then we communicate and women get frustrated or partners, whatever situation. And, uh, it's all these things of like, we're just used to like staying quiet or having a man cave as they say nowadays, uh, in, in English at least. Um, but I I think there's something to be said for calling out the idea of overemphasizing a certain area. For example, you mentioned something about, okay, men would show their love by, working hard and providing for the family. That's all fine and good, but that's not enough. If you're going to mm. overemphasize and just just do that and then wonder why I'm not so appreciated, it is that you're appreciated, but yeah. also it's that you need to create balance. The universe yeah. demands balance. We always say that in the podcast. Yeah. We have yeah. to balance expressing love in other ways yeah. uh, to if we actually love these people, let's show it in other ways. And and by the way, providing and all that is part of our responsibility in a lot of cases, but also it's uh, it's not enough just for people to feel loved. And we need to just take a step up and realize we can't just pretend that's enough because no. we, we feel too vulnerable to say, I'm going to be emotional or I'm going to say, I love you, or I'm going to 
you know, be in touch with my feelings and other yeah. people's. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? No, it's, it's, um, what I thought is that it's, uh, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's so, it's so many things that I think about right yeah. now, but it's, it's, it's like, it's, we need to sort of, yeah, we need to sort of be aware about the, the things that goes on and we need to change. Uh, and, and I just thought about this, that one thing that maybe we should be aware of that, like we, we like you and me were adults and we, we, but also our subconscious is maybe based on our, our way of growing up. And when we grew up, maybe we have a kind of a toxic, toxic masculinity in high school or bullying or whatever we had, we had sort of the strong guys. And we also, it was allowed to be, we were allowed to be bullied because a man should also be able to stand up for itself. So we, we, in a way, I think we create a society early in early years that, mm-hmm. that it's okay for a man or a kid to, slow, to hit another kid because yeah. the, the man or the, the kid should, should stand up because that's a manly thing. But if the, if the man or the boy hits a girl, it's not okay because the girl should not be hit. Mm-hmm. So then in a way, we actually say that men, well, you should be able to manage yourself. So we actually push down things with men. And I think that sort of stands with us for a longer time because that's what I saw. I was actually, when I went through all my inner work and, and sort of going through the fear by fear and meeting all my all things, I saw that my, a lot of my fears was based on things that happened in high school. So in yeah. a way, when, when I was scared, it was like, oh, I'm afraid of these guys in high school. Mm-hmm. And, and just to be aware of that, it, it goes way back. Uh, and it could be a lot of sort of that's why that's also maybe why it's ho- so hard for a lot of men to take that step because it's it's like don't go there because it's it's very very dangerous for you yeah we, we we sort of maybe push it away we don't understand it but me i really understand it now this it goes back a long time and then also we if we're aware of that that can also help us uh, uh, to move on i don't know if i sort of answered the question but that was sort of my, my thought of it it's uh, so many different dimensions that I think we need to sort of address that, yeah. that today we are, it's hard for us to be vulnerable because it's, it's actually being out of the group. You will be killed and it's very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so also we need to, but for our children, we need to meet that fear because we need to help our boys to be different and help yeah. them allowing these things. And also yeah. maybe they do some changes in society because we still allow a very strange, uh, way of growing up that we still allow that boys boys should stand up for themselves and it's okay to fight but that it's i don't know it's very strange in a way <laughs> we well, it go is. that direction yeah yeah well and by the way i think you did answer the question because all <laughs> i said was tell me your thoughts so you told me your thoughts and, uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> and, and by the way they were very valuable thoughts i appreciate that you uh, share that you know, and uh, I, I probably should have formulated a better question, but because uh, I was sharing my thoughts. But as, <laughs> as we talk about this, um, and I want to shift gears a little bit and talk mm-hmm. more about like defining what some of this like emotional intelligence and some of these things. But mm-hmm. um, this reminds me too, a long time ago on the podcast, like a few years now, we, we had the authors of a book called The Boy Crisis. Um, Dr. John Gray and uh, Dr. Warren Farrell. And we talked in depth about all these things as well. And there's a lot of real depth to this whole, whether you read that book or not, it's, there's a lot of real depth to what's going on. Some people talk about we're losing masculinity or manhood these days, the way things are with technology and men aren't hunting and doing things. Uh, but uh, so you could also look through that lens, same lens or through a different lens and say, um, we're continuing to grow or even use the word evolve as Mm. a species, as uh, male members of the species. And um, hopefully in a direction, if we make the right decisions to become better, to be, to Mm. to connect better with both each other and women and children. And uh, I I think it's a real important part. I mean, we just had father's day of all Mm. things and I've, I could go off on so many tangents about all this because I am a dad. Uh, mm. I don't know. Do you have kids, by the way, Thomas? Uh, you have stepkids. Oh, okay. So you yeah. have children in your life. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just important. Somebody told me some time ago that one of the, like, if not the number one fear that children have, at least in place in the U.S. where they did this study, 
was they feel like their parents don't love them. Not just yeah. not just fathers and men, but parents, you know, men and women. So there's something to be said for for making that a priority that they feel loved. But let's talk real fast again. I, if you want to touch on anything I just said, you can. But I want to ask about emotional intelligence, and can you define that? A lot of us these days use the term emotional intelligence, but what is that? What does that mean? Some people may be unclear. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's um, what I see. It's like all the things that happens, like we, something happens and, and you get a reaction, you get a feeling, you can get angry, you can get uh, emotional or you can get uh, surprised or whatever. It, it's something that triggers something within you. And that yeah. reaction is based on the situation right now, how you're feeling right now, but it's also based on your history, what you have experienced. And, and it's so many things that actually go on in your own mind or your own universe in a way. So you experience something. And if you just react on that feeling, it's maybe, it's, it's just, it's, it's reaction on a feeling. But if you sort of understand why the reaction comes, that's sort of understanding your emotions. Because if you would always just react on what you feel, then you would maybe like hit people or you will do many stupid things. Um, so it's in a way like understanding why are you feeling like this? Why is this happening? Why is this reaction? And I sort of put the emotion outside. I'm feeling like this right now. And I'm actually holding out my hand now, but you don't see that. But that's what I do. I sort of, I feel this. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. Is there something happened or is it me? Or it can, it can also be that someone else that you're sensing. Because then you can sort of start to understand. Okay, I felt this. Uh, okay, it's based on this. Should I act on it? No, yeah. I don't need to. Or And then you can... Also, if you, like me, got, I got burned out and you sort of felt this overwhelming feeling, it's, I also could see that, hey, I pushed myself so much for a long time. You sort of go past your boundaries. So it's understanding more and more your emotions because it's so many things happening during a day and it's thoughts and feelings. It's also like the weather goes and comes. So also not trust all you think and feel because yeah. it's also maybe just something that passes. So yeah. it's, it's a very sort of many different perspectives on it. But I think that's sort of putting it out there and understand why did it happen? Why did I think like this? Why did it happen? Should I act on it? Uh, can I do anything different? And, and you sort of build with that. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that you pr- express all that because the, I think there's real power in self-awareness and mm. it's very freeing, very empowering. I mean, we're the Empower Humans podcast, so we love that stuff. But I just, I, I've come to realize, and a friend of mine kind of expressed this to me this way, that everything we do, think, feel is either empowering or freeing and enriching our lives or disempowering and enslaving and imprisoning us. And so I think it's very obvious to say that if we're suppressing real emotions and uh, our expression of them and, and connecting with others, that is disempowering. It's imprisoning. Mm. It's uh, not a freeing, empowering thing. Yeah. And, and so if you come to that realization, then what? Well, mm. the, the question then leads to obvious results. Okay, mm. I need to become in tune with this thing, this mm. part of me, and figure out how to let it flourish. And not. It's like growing flowers in a garden. Like you're not yeah. going to, if you want to grow flowers or or agriculture or something, you're not going to like suppress it and keep kicking it down every day. It has to grow and flourish. And, and at the same time, especially things like anger and stuff like that, we have to find ways to uh, do that in a healthy way. That's not uh, destructive. (laughs) Yeah. Taking care of your own emotions. It's it's your reaction to something and it has nothing to do with someone else in a way. It's just your feeling based, something happens and it's your feeling based on your experience and history. Yeah. So it's, and, and it's also you, you should take care of it as well. Yeah. And, uh, and give yourself permission. I, yeah. I, for one, give you permission. Anyone listening, <laughs> I give you permission. Now it's your turn. Give yourself permission. Yeah. I think Thomas gives all of us permission. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's, it's so liberating. I have an example when I, I think it was about when I sort of decided to write the book, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I sort of said, okay, let's focus on this now. I'm going to prioritize this uh, for the next um, like six months. Because it would, I realized it would take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And that would mean that I would not take any other assignments at the moment. And I would not sort of get any money in. I would just like do this as an investment. And then I felt this sort of anger within me. 
And I was like, why, why am I angry? And I, but I was angry. I was like, what is this? What is this? So I thought, since I, I want to see what's behind it. I said, I just went for a run. Uh, and um, this sound, might sound crazy, but this is sort of just an example how you do it. And then I went out for a run and just like, okay, angriness. I'm just angry. It's a feeling. So I just looked around me when I do, did my run. It's like, I don't see anyone. And I was like, what the? And I sort of screamed out and just felt that anger. <laughs> but also then I, I passed through that ang- anger. And I was like, okay, well, then it came this sort of, you know, you want to sort of, no, let me go. And it's like a worm just like trying to get away. You don't want to stay there. It's like, I got that feeling of being scared in a way. So I, I sort of felt that feeling of being scared. And I sort of moved through that feeling. And then I felt, I realized I'm very scared of losing control. Because when I do this sort of investment in my book and taking my term doing this, I'm scared of losing control. Ah, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's why I got angry because I'm allowing myself to lose in control. And I sort of had my different kind of escape plans of not want to lose control. And then I thought, okay, I'm scared of losing control. Okay, I need to sort of put in time to allow myself to, uh, during this time of writing and doing this kind of investment in me, I need to sort of give myself uh, extra time to, to take care of myself, give myself time to sort of get my energy back and so on, because it's going to be rough for me. And that's in a way for me to sort of understand your feelings and sort of what's behind the actual uh, reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I think it's, there's something really powerful in the word control. Um, some people it's kind of a, I don't know, a weapon, but it's, it kind of has a negative connotation for some people that you're a very controlling person or something. Mm. We men in society have a lot of times been in control, whether you're the top of the government or, you know, the people in charge of the business and things like that. And if you're in control, it's like we men ought to embrace control in the sense of not necessarily controlling everyone around us, but controlling ourselves Mm. (laughs) in in a way that's effective to get the outcomes we want. If you want to stay married, if you want to have good relationships with your Mm. kids, if you want to have uh, a healthy work situation, whatever you do, uh, there's something to be said for extending that control Mm. and making that control start with you, the individual, Mm. Uh, men and women, both. We all need to define what that means for each of us and and the the strengths and weaknesses maybe that we each have that we need to you know focus differently on different things um i i know you you talk a lot about reconnecting with ourselves how do we go about doing that how did you go about doing that uh as i guess this this is an individual journey Mm -hmm. but what are some general things that we can do because um one of the things you say on your website is you have the tools and strength within you as a human uh you are built for this world. You just need to learn and bring out the tools you need. How do we mm. do that? How do we reconnect with ourselves? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question. And uh, I think it, it starts with this being vulnerable because you have in a way built up, maybe we can talk about control, as you said, like control yeah. is you want to control things because you're scared of something. You're scared mm. of losing something. So then you want to control things. And you say, if I control you, you don't leave me. Or if I control you, this will not happen. But behind it, it's a, it's a fear of losing something that maybe you've, you're scared of not being enough, that maybe you're scared of, um, of trusting yourself. There could be something behind that. And if you start being vulnerable, you can see and sort of all these fears or different kind of behaviors that we have within us, it's built up maybe as a kind of protection. And if you see all these things behind, you can sort of, you understand yourself better and you sort of connect back to, you, to your sort of true self in a way. You don't see that you don't need to be scared. Because what I saw, like a lot of my fears came from my time uh, in high school and growing up. And if you look at it, like now we move around in the world in a totally different way than we did 100 years ago, 150 years ago. We just maybe stayed in the same location. And the way we grew up, it was also a way of this is the way you should behave in this kind of group to survive. Mm-hmm. So sort of the things that we've learned is like, okay, this is the way I should behave. Otherwise I could get killed or get thrown out of the group or different kind of things. So that's sort of the normal human behavior. But now since we're moving around so much more, you have been in Chile, I am in Sweden and I'm been in Canada, I've been in Spain and you travel around more. Yeah. But also some of our behavior is still based on our way of growing up. 
So if you can sort of understand your behavior right now, maybe it doesn't work for you anymore. And you have a pattern that maybe protected you growing up that you don't need anymore. But it's also familiar, so you fall back to that kind of behavior. So you need to sort of relearn all these different things that you do that maybe doesn't help you anymore. Yeah. So it's actually also a, a, it's a rough process, and it's a process that you sort of, all of us have different experiences, but also a lot of people have similar experience. So it's also maybe meeting people that have these kind of similar experiences, and then, then we can help each other. Yeah. So it's understanding these things and, and learning more about yourself and say, I don't need this anymore. And then you face that fear and it can be rough. It could be whatever emotion you need to feel, but you sort of pass through it. And then it doesn't control you anymore. That kind of fear that you don't need anymore. Mm. Yeah. Great, great stuff. I, uh, as I look at some of your work too, um, not to shift gears too much again, I appreciate you explaining mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you talk a lot about empaths and HSPs, which are highly sensitive people. Mm. Um, That's always been a very interesting topic to me. I don't believe that I am one of those people. I believe most of us as people have some abilities to tap into part Mm. of us, but some of us aren't, myself included, aren't naturally that way. (laughs) And, you know, I've had people on the podcast who talk about anxiety and other things. Sometimes anxiety seems to go along with being an empath, I've found. Um, And in my experience, I certainly don't know everything, that's for sure. But in my experience, I've seen this more with women than with men being uh, highly sensitive, uh, empath, having a very strong intuition, things like that. Talk to me about that. And and why did you include that as some of the things that you uh, talk about in, in the work you do? Yeah, no, it was a big, um, big understanding for me to, to understand this highly sensitive, uh, this personality trait that you have. It's, it's about 15 to 20% of um, population have this. And it's, it's not that you have or not have, it's, it's also like a, it's a, uh, shifting uh, scale in a way like it you can be more and less sensitive yeah. but it's a way of it's it's also called like sensory processing sensitivity sensitivity so the thing is that you take in more information around you and and that can also be then overwhelming or it could be like too much so it's not that you're just like sensitive it's that you take in more information and you process more information mm-hmm. And it's as much similar within men as in women, but I think women are more open about it and talk about it because talking about these things, as we talked about being a boy and you sort of, we hold things back. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I lost my now, so, so I think it's important okay. to talk about this since mm-hmm. it's, no, I think I lost myself. <laughs> it's okay, my friend. <laughs> well, you were talking about being empaths and highly yeah. sensitive people. And so, yeah. One of the things with the, we're talking about some differences yeah, too, yeah. generally between men and women with this, yeah, yeah. and I've seen some people, for example, with strong sensitivity, empath mm-hmm. types of attributes, and then at the same time, they're very able to manifest things in their lives because mm-hmm. they're so sensitive to the energy around them and yep. stuff. Some people might say, well, that's weird and hokey stuff, but it, mm-hmm. it's true. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's now I sort of got back to myself. That's, that's good. No, it's okay. um, no, because that's what I sort of understand being uh, highly sensitive is that I saw that I just sort of thought I sort of thought too much what, what people thought and and uh, like being in the different kind of social groups I mm. sort of felt whatever other people thought and it was like overwhelming and I sort of also took on a kind of sort of energy this is a strange feeling in the room or oh, it's my fault because I didn't understand that I took in all this extra information and all this sort of kind of energy because I was more sensitive about it mm-hmm. and then it's because I thought isn't this clear for everyone and then I just realized, no, well, some people take in more information. Some people can uh, do painting and some people can play good soccer. or Some people can do good things, uh, like you're good at something. And I'm very good at sensing what people feel. But since I didn't understand this and like, I didn't talk about it, I sort of took on that sort of feeling from others. And I thought it was sort of my fault and things like that. And that, I think it's, it's maybe a bit strange, but... But it's also quite just plain simple in a way. 
Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, it's this um, called mirror neurons that you have in your brain. It's like when you see someone hitting their foot in, in a rock or in a bench or something, you sort of also hurt, even though you didn't hit your foot in this uh, bench. And that's, you sort of, you can feel how others feel because mm. it's also being part of the group that you sort of, Hey, are you doing okay? Yeah. And that became so clear to me that I sort of felt this, but before I thought it was wrong, but now I'm sort of more open to it. So I can go to people to say, Hey, how are you doing? Are everything okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, are you okay? No. And then you people start talking and maybe not everyone sees that. Yeah. Well, it's good to define that. That's what we do as people in a healthy society, individually and collectively that we connect with each other, that we try to connect with each other. And we can't control everybody else and the things that they all do. We'll connect with some individuals more uh, easily than others based on who we are and how we operate. But it's really important that we realize we do need to connect. I mean, this is how we live and thrive in families and and things like that. I, I know one of the things that you talk about too is is this digital world that we live in. Mm. Um, there's, for example, some people have watched this documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma mm. and how you get kind of sucked in like a drug with social media or things like that. And uh, how, like we talked about earlier, things either empower and free and uh, you know enlighten your life or they disempower and imprison you. Talk to me about this whole digital age and how this plays into this topic of how uh, how we're in tune with our hopefully emotional intelligence and uh, with ourselves in general and with each other. Yeah, no, it's, um, I think it, it's, we are in a very, very interesting time in a way. Uh, it's the first time for human history in 200,000 years that we are actually connected all, all over the world, that you and I can actually have this conversation in real time in different parts of the world. Yeah, And you can also have this sort of video sharing and, and um, we can connect and we can get all this information all the time. But also humans, we are social animals in a way. We, we have thrived on being social and helping each other. That's sort of been the base of, of actually why humans uh, prospered more. So, and so everything is, it's a mix right now because as humans, as we, if we talk about the basic humans, we, we want to be in this small group of 100, 150 people. That's sort of what we're used to. So what happens now when we, for example, why is gossip interesting? Well, gossip <laughs> is interesting because you want to know, can I trust this person? If we talk about this basic group again, it's like, can I trust that person? What happened? So it's actually, actually catching information and you sort of take in that information. But why is it interesting to read gossip about uh, celebrity? Well, it's because you think you know that person. Because we have not been having this kind of interaction with people for all this time until now. So then in a way it comes, becomes interesting about gossip. So, and also then we are pushed in all to these different kinds of social groups on uh, social media. And yeah. we want to be part of these social groups because it's about surviving. So in a way, it, maybe it's not the uh, amount of time we spend in front of the screen. It's the way we interact with different kinds of people. So it's, it's so much more that we need to think about and we are not sort of functioning well. Uh, and maybe if you are maybe like me and, and more uh, hi- highly sensitive, you may be more open to sort of making sure that everyone, everyone is all right and you want to avoid risks. Then it's more important to actually be online all the time because you want to make sure that everything is okay. So you want to avoid risks. <laughs> so maybe you stay online to check information or you want to make sure that everyone is okay. But if we look at our grandparents and they had their family to take care of, and that was like all, they didn't have any other to take care of. But now you can be helping friends all of the time. You get a message, it's like, oh, this one needs help. Or there's a comment on something on social media and you can help there as well. Mm. I sometimes sort of put myself as being sort of the, the sheepdog taking care of the herd. And, you know, looking at the dog and you like, make sure that there's no wolves coming or making sure everyone is okay and, and, and making, making sure everything is okay. But now when we have this explosion of all these different kind of media, it's like taking care of not one herd, but maybe 10. And you can see that sort of dog just, it's, it's just too much to take care of. And I think that's what we need to be aware of, that we are in a very different shift of society being this interactive. Mm-hmm. And also with, the, as you say, like social dilemma, social media and everything is built on holding us back there. 
and news everything itself on fear. Mm. So it's yeah. we have opened like this big can of something, and it it holds us there. So we need to be aware that we could we are actually affected. It could be addictive, so it could be hard to shut off. But you need to disconnect in a way to keep balanced. Yes, and making sure that this is enough for me. This is the way I react, and then we go back to the emotional intelligence. Why is it important for me to answer on these different kind of messages directly? Because go back, it was like writing letters. You actually had a, a lot of time to think about your answers, but now maybe you get stressed answer it directly, and you yeah. want to be called. Yeah, so it's it's a very different shift that we need to sort of be aware that we as humans are built for a different kind of world, and now everything is changing, and we need to sort of get that perspective and sort of make sure that we shut down different things. We don't drink sort of big glass of wine before you go to bed. We don't have this big <laughs> case of a candy before you go to bed, but you might watch <laughs> social media just before you go to bed. And then you say, I can't sleep. <laughs> well, yeah. you push yourself with a lot of information and interactions and things like that. So it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very interesting time that we are moving into that. Uh, yeah. It's uh, well, it, about. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, it requires more discipline, honestly, yeah. because we have so much more at our disposal. Like yeah. when I was a kid, you and I couldn't have had this conversation without spending hundreds of dollars on some phone bill to yeah. talk overseas like this for an hour or more. And uh, so it's really a double-edged sword. I mean, there's so many beautiful benefits that we get to do things like this and connect with people. Like I have aunts, yeah. uncles, and cousins. I grew up in the eighties. We didn't have the internet. And now I, we get to see more what's going on in their lives and their kids and their jobs and houses and things they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, like you said, the idea of disconnect is really important. As you say that, by the way, I'm thinking about like, I live in Las Vegas and people come here and they do all kinds of things, including gambling. And th there's something to be said for people always say, if you're going to gamble, you have to have a limit. And yeah okay, I lost $200. Now I'm, I'm done, but it could be, oh, I'm going to get the casino. I'm going to play another $5,000. <laughs> yeah. And then you lose that too. Yeah. Um, th there have to be limits. And I know social media and gambling are not apples to apples comparisons, but we have to put limits and create discipline in our lives. Yeah. We have to have a set of principles and just norms that by which we govern ourselves mm. and, and stick to it. And I know it's easier said than done, but I know we can do it. I love that you're bringing yeah. up this topic. What, what final thoughts do you have? I know you and I could talk and talk <laughs> for days about this. Plus we're both men. So we could talk about that yeah. aspect. Um, but what, what final thoughts do you have? Cause I know you talk about anxiety and stress and transformation and all the things that we've talked about. And also mm. in your final thoughts, uh, what heroes do you have? If you want to touch on that, but what are your thoughts as far as the anxiety and stress and the transformation, all the things that you do and that we've talked about? <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> let's summarize that. <laughs> yeah, talk about all of it. You got five-hour summarization here. <laughs> no, but I think I think maybe the, the key point is to, to first like be aware that we are in a big shift. Yes. So if you feel anxiety, if you feel almost like almost burnout, or if you say I don't know how to put words on my feelings and my emotions, it's it makes sense because we haven't practiced. So we are standing like in a big different situation, especially now being overwhelmed with all this information that we talked about. So there is something going on. So it's also taking that sort of step back that something is happening. So what can you do? Because the one that shuts down sort of the, the social media, it's you. Yeah. So it also puts like maybe also new pressure on us, but also we need to sort of take care of ourselves setting these kind of new routines. So we need to be more aware about that. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of is the maybe key thing. And it's, it's also nothing new, but to see that we are affected by information in a way, maybe we don't see it, but we have to be aware of it. Because if yeah. I take an example, uh, is that if we go back to mid 18, like 1850, uh, in the surgeons uh, didn't wash their hands when they went to surgery after taking care of dead bodies, for example, yeah. because we didn't believe in bacteria. And then this guy comes up, well, maybe if we wash our hands, I saw like the fatality rate went down from 12% to two on, on mothers giving birth. You say, hey, we can wash our hands. And actually it helps us of not spreading. He didn't understand exactly what it was, but he saw it, it, it worked. But it took, I think, around 15 to 20 years before it was accepted in the sort of doctors and, and surgeons that you should wash your hands. Mm 
Yeah. And we can now sort of think about it. Hey, that's just so stupid. If, of course, it makes sense to wash our hands <laughs> or brush your teeth or whatever we do. And I think it's a similar thing right now. Smoking was also okay in, I don't know, 30s or something. So it's just like, it, it's, we, we think it's okay, but it's, we now need to be aware of the consequences. It's like, it's, it's like washing our hands. We need to sort of make sure that we, as you say, like take care of our garden inside in a way to make sure that we are doing this properly and, and just be aware of the things that are going on and learn to wash our brain. I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, yeah, <laughs> I think that, that's what we need to sort of uh, to understand our feelings and, and emotions and reaction. It's, it's just this uh, thing that goes on now. Well, and it's Some making summary. conscious conscious decisions, like yeah. understanding these are the very real consequences of whatever I'm doing, whether it's yeah. not being in touch and connecting with my family that way or gambling and losing yeah. $5,000. Yeah. They're very real consequences. So complete radical ownership is a term we've been using lately of, yeah. of ourselves and those consequences and, and realizing that we're in the driver's seat. It's up to yeah. us <laughs> and, then, yeah, exactly. and then making those decisions. Um, anyway, go ahead. I interrupt anything else you want to add. And do you have any heroes in, in life or it doesn't even have to be on this topic. Uh, I always like asking people who they look up to. I, for one, look up to a lot of musicians. I, I'm a musician myself. Oh yeah, I look up to certain <laughs> authors and speakers, guys like Stephen Covey and Tony Robbins and, and now Thomas Anderson, but who are some <laughs> of your <laughs> heroes, Thomas? No, I, 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 oh, there's many, I think, but I like uh, Tony Robbins as well. And um, Dane here has been uh, also a big influence. And um, oh, now I was thinking about different, I, I love to read uh, Paulo Coelho, his books. And um, The Alchemist? I like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. It was one of the books that I liked. Mm. Uh, there's so many people I look up to. It's, in a way, I think it's when you sort of take this sort of perspective and, and helping uh, oh, there's so many things. I don't know what more to, to say, but I think there are, there are many <laughs> that inspires. Yeah. And I think it's good for us to look to those people because it gives us two things. One, something to strive for. And two, the fact that we look up to somebody tells us something about us. It tells us about mm. things that we're capable of and our potential that we see so many great things in this person or you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and then strive to live up to that. Like I believe in humanity. That's why we do a podcast called empower humans. That mm. At the end of the day, we need to empower ourselves. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. But, uh, well, I, Thomas, I love it. I appreciate everything you shared with us. Um, again, the book, the vulnerable man, the vulnerable man, <laughs> break your patterns, master your emotions, reclaim your life. Um, and I suggest everybody go out and pick up this book, men and women both, because I think we can all find a lot of great insights. And you've touched on the tip of the iceberg just here in this podcast of some really great uh, information and principles uh, that we can learn from. Um, and so again, for our audience, thank you. As always, we're flattered you spend time with us and we're grateful. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.